Are we good here? All right, there we go. You know you need to lose a few pounds when you're breaking the backpack belt pack, so there you go. So, hey, one of my favorite movies is Saving Private Ryan. Uh, of course, it is about D-Day, which is today 70, 71 years ago, is that right? No, is it more than that? Uh, anyway, long, long time ago, 1944, D-Day. Um, and uh, the cool thing about the movie that I really appreciate is I've seen lots of documentaries on like the D-Day invasion, the Normandy invasion itself. I understand how it worked with the four different beaches and all that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like it really is, um, you don't see a lot of what happens after D-Day. And the reality is, is that while D-Day was the most important invasion in World War II, uh, the reality is, is like if it was only the most important invasion because of everything that happened as a result of that. If we would have invaded uh, Normandy and then everybody would have gone on a boat and gone home, nothing would have changed. But D-Day, uh, or excuse me, um, Saving Private Ryan went on to show like how those relationships were built with people, like the, the supply lines, how they had to be maintained, and how all these smaller skirmishes would pop up as a result of this, as they were on their way uh, to Berlin. Uh, and, and so seeing that, uh, I recognize, like, I think that the day of Pentecost is a lot like D-Day for the church. Because the day of Pentecost that we looked at last week in the book of Acts, we see, you know, 3,000 people coming to Christ. It's the birth of the church. It's the start of, of everything good here that's going on in the church. And yet we realize that the day of Pentecost was only special because it was the starting point for everything else that has happened since then. Not just for like the rest of the war, like in, in, with D-Day, but literally for almost the last 2,000 years, everything started as a result of the day of Pentecost. But what we have to recognize is, is that in all these different amazing acts of God that we see in the book of Acts, and that's where we're going to be today, the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, uh, and all these amazing stories that we see, we think of the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people come to Christ, uh, Paul's conversion where he sees Jesus on the Damascus Road, Cornelius' conversion where it opened the door for all Gentile believers to follow as a result. Uh, between all of those things was a devoted group of people called the church. And the book of Acts covers about 30 years and 28 chapters. Imagine writing... A, a book where you only get a short chapter, maybe 50 verses for each year to describe your life. You're only going to hit some of the highlights, aren't you? And the reality is, is between all those amazing acts of God, what we see is a group of people with extreme devotion. And so we have to ask ourselves a question. When we see the book of Acts, and I think we'd agree that, man, we would love to see miracles happen like they did in the book of Acts. We would love to see some of these stories happen like they did in the book of Acts. Like that would be amazing if we could see them happen like every day, right? The reality is, is we're not. Because they didn't see them happen every day either. <laughs> because it was spread out over the course of 30 years. But behind it all was this devoted group of people. And so how do we respond to the amazing acts of God? We've been looking at this series, Back to the Future, how we... Um, how basically how we're going to prepare for this major cultural shift that is upon us, that we see as a result of COVID, as we see as a result of our culture becoming more and more uh, increasingly post-Christian. And my premise has been that we learn how to navigate the future by looking back to the past. 
We go back to the book of Acts and we see how the early church dealt with the opposition that they faced, not from one culture, but from multiple cultures. The hostility that they faced and how the gospel exploded in the midst of it. And as we started looking at this year, the only God can. The idea of only God can. How do we take these experiences that we have been hearing about, our own amazing acts of God, and use them to propel us forward? And here's what we see in the book of Acts. And here's what I hope we can see in us today as well. Is that we respond to the amazing acts of God by becoming devoted disciples of Jesus. That's it. Not, I, I don't see any of you like knocked off your seat. It's like, like, that's it? Like there's nothing profound about that. But the reality is, is God hasn't made it extremely complicated for us as believers of Jesus. He calls us to respond to his amazing saving act at the cross, his amazing acts that he is doing in us by growing in our devotion as followers of Jesus Christ. So here's the text that starts this morning. Acts 2.42. The very next verse, after we see like 3,000 people come to Christ, and we see Peter pleading with more and more of them to coming, it describes the church for the first time. Here's what it says. To, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Again, is there anything complicated here in these four things? No, it's not that they're difficult to comprehend, but it is difficult to put them into practice in a way that we would call ourselves devoted to them, isn't it? So let's take a look. Because of all the devotions that people are demanding today, think about all the different devotions that people want us to be devoted to. If you are not committed enough to your political party, if there is some ideological difference in today's world, on either side, you will get canceled by your own party. If you have something that you say on social media, especially if you're in the public spotlight, that is not agreeable with our culture, again, you will get canceled or written off because you are not devoted enough to that ideological stance. The same thing is true of our academics. Our children are de demanded a, a high level of devotion to their academics, which I think we'd say overall is a good thing. But sometimes we've got to stop and say, hey, like, it's not all about getting good grades. The same thing is true with our sports teams, where we, where we see the demands on kids today being higher than ever. And the reality is, is that there is only one thing in your life that is worthy of your entire devotion, and that is Jesus Christ. Because there is only one who has risen from the dead. There is only one who has died for our sins. And so what we have to recognize is that in this culture where we are called to so many layers of devotion, we have to go back to what Jesus says, that no one can serve two masters. We have to say that our number one, our sole devotion is Jesus Christ. And even our marriage, even our family comes as a result of that one devotion to Jesus Christ. And if we want to see God do the type of work in our lives and in our world that, that he did in the first century, like we have to recognize it is our responsibility to make those choices. 
to make Jesus Christ our one devotion. We see the disciples living this out with these four things they devoted themselves to that are really the one thing of Jesus Christ. So what are they devoted to? First, we see that they're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were hungry for the word of God. This is what terrifies me in our culture. We have more avenues to learn from than ever before. We have more Bible translations than any language has ever had before. We have more access to those translations and to devotions through online resources than we've ever had before. And yet our culture is, is, continues to show its biblical illiteracy. We are biblically illiterate as a culture. What we have to recognize is that we respond to the amazing acts of God. One of the ways we do so is with that devotion to God's word. We must be a church that not only preaches God's word, but we must be a church that is hungry for God's word all week long and not because we're starving ourselves from it. This is the buffet you can come back to all day long, all right? This is God's word, how we must be devoted to it. And this fall, starting in August, we're going to go through something called the story, which is 31 weeks of an emphasis where you'll be reading along with what I'm preaching. Our youth and children will be learning about the story of God because we think it is so essential in our culture that our kids know God's word. Our kids need to go know God's word more than they know anything else. The second thing we see is that they were devoted to the fellowship. This is talking about deep relationships here. This is the church. This is the community of believers. And we're going to see how that's expressed later on through some of their devotions. Now, we have different things here that we do throughout the week. Uh, obviously, with COVID, a lot of things have gone away. But, but when we come back in the fall fully, we're going to see these things such as grow groups restart. I want to challenge you to start to plan your calendar around being a part of a grow group where we're going to be studying God's word at the same place, at the same time, through the story together. Because it is so important that we recognize if we're going to make an impact in our culture, yes, we need to build relationships with people in our world, but we also need to have those roots in the church from deep-formed relationships we should know after going through COVID how much we missed each other, that we need each other. And as we get back, as we get back to church in the fall and as we start even this summer, I just want to challenge you. Like if there's somebody that you've missed that you haven't seen, call them up. Say, hey, we've missed you. Have them over for supper. We're all lonely as all get out after COVID. We need this stuff, right? Reality is, is that's what the church is about. Devoted to the fellowship, saying, hey, I'm going to do whatever I can for you because you're my brother or sister in Christ. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Well, some of you say, well, that's one that I can fulfill right there. I have a gluten-full diet, no question about it. Now, when he talks about the, fe when it talks about the breaking of bread here, it's looking back to that ancient festival where they celebrated the Passover, where they celebrated God's deliverance of, 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 of basically how God rose up Moses to free the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. It was, it was a great thing, but what they're saying here 
and the, the, the devotion to the breaking of bread is this isn't just a one-time festival anymore because Jesus instituted this meal on the night before he was crucified. We celebrate it weekly. We can celebrate it every day if we want. You want to celebrate the Lord's Supper in your home, you go ahead. Because what you're doing is you're saying there's a greater deliverance than what happened in the Exodus here today. There's a greater deliverance than what God did back then. Jesus Christ did something even greater because he delivered us for all eternity. He delivered us for good. He delivered us from sin. He delivered us from death. And we have that power now. We devote ourselves to the breaking of bread. And last week we talked about prayer. But the last thing that we see their devotion to Christ is through prayer. What does it look like for your family to pray together? What does it look like for you to pray with your spouse, with your children every night? What's it look like to be a part of a praying community with your friends? Where you recognize that prayer isn't something that we do every once in a while in an awkward way. But prayer is something that we just get so accustomed to. Of course we're going to pray for you. Of course we're going to lift you up to the Lord. Of course we're going to carry that burden with you. So we have several different things here at the church that we do. We, every, 10, every, every Sunday at 1040, there's a group that prays together right over here. You're welcome to join them anytime. Uh, just in, in the classrooms, just over here to the left, my left. You can join them anytime. But we also need to implement these things in our homes and in our families. Because the reality is, is that we need to be fully committed to prayer as individuals. We need to recognize as families how deep our devotion to God needs to be. I want to be clear when I talk about those four things is my intention is not to shame you to make you feel bad because that's not the way the new covenant works. The new covenant is not shame-based. The new covenant is not, I'm going to guilt you into this. The new covenant is that Jesus Christ is so devoted to you that he died, he laid down his life for you, and now he is calling you to find that life, to find that purpose through being fully devoted to him out of a responsive love to the love that he has had for you. So if you're feeling guilty, like you're not good enough to do this on your own, I just want to remind you that's, that those feelings aren't from God. You can respond to these layers of devotion simply because he loves you and he wants that walk with you. He wants that walk with his people together. And so if you're feeling shame, like it's not going to, hey man, let me tell you what, I fight through that every day. I fight through that every day, and sometimes it does get the best of me, and I hate that. But the reality is, is I have to remind myself every day, that's not of God. What's of God is him welcoming me and loving every time that I show up. So as we look at those devotions, the question that comes next is, how will we know that our church is growing in our devotion to Christ? Another way to say this is, what kind of fruit will we bear? What will we look like as we grow in these devotions to Christ? So we see, starting in Acts 2, verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. The first two things that we see here is that they were filled with awe. They were awestruck at the goodness of God. They, they were recognizing God was working in their midst. They were recognizing that God's love for them was so deep. They were recognizing that finally somebody has overcome death here through Jesus Christ. That's part of our desire in sharing our only God can stories is recognizing God's work when it's all around us. Because the reality is, is that oftentimes it's not that God is more active when we're praying and when we're devoted to him. It's just that we see him when he is at work, 
where other times we would be so distracted we would miss his work. They were filled with awe, and they witnessed a deeper work of the Holy Spirit. They recognized that the Holy Spirit was worth committing to, that the Holy Spirit uh, was filling them, and that they were to be living out uh, the, the life that Christ lived before he ascended to heaven. Like that is the same Spirit that empowered him, empowers us today. In verse 44 and 45, we see the next bit of fruit that is borne by them. It says in verse 44, Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Now they still had their individual houses and everything else, but the reality is, is that they were so devoted to each other that they were willing to give up everything for each other. It says in verse 45 that they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. The reality is in this text is that Several thousand people were in Jerusalem for that festival, for Pentecost, from out of town, from other states. And it wasn't like they could just hop an airplane and go home at the end. It was a journey to get there. And it's thought that many of the people actually, when they found out, hey, Jesus is the Messiah, the Messiah has come, they were so excited and so enthusiastic about it that rather than just go back immediately to their hometowns, to their jobs, to their businesses, everything else, that they stayed there in Jerusalem so they could learn as much as possible, so they could grow as much as possible, so they could go back out and spread that message as well. The problem was is they didn't have like ATMs back then or credit cards. You know, like how are they going to pay for all that stuff? Like the Holiday Inn was like, come on, you got to have, you know, you got to have some money up here. And the reality is, is that they sacrificed greatly for one another. And so what we see here is that they had a deep unity as a result, they had everything in common. They made these sacrifices for each other. And then secondly, we see in, in this text that they, were radic they practiced radical generosity. And they were like selling stuff like so that other people could stay, so make sure everybody had need. They were caring for each other in a radical way. And th this other interlude that we see in the book of Acts back in chapter 4, it describes this in a little bit more detail. It says, now the entire group of those who believed were one of heart and one of mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds uh, of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. Now, again, they were meeting in people's homes, so it wasn't everybody that sold them, but some people were able to, and they did. It was, uh, it was then um, one of the apostles called Barnabas, or excuse me, I need some glasses up here, apparently. It was then that they distributed each person that has need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And I love this story because later on we see that Barnabas was one of the people that was extremely influential in helping Saul become a follower of Jesus. After he had had uh, his, his uh, Damascus Road conversion, Saul was one of the guys, uh, Barnabas was one of the guys that walked with Saul and the importance of that. And, and I wonder with this mentioning here, like, I wonder if, if, if for Barnabas that the generosity that started here was really the seed that was planted for everything else that he became. I wonder if that was, that was a huge part of him, a huge step of faith. And when we talk about generosity in church, if that's a huge step of faith for you too. 
But what if that generosity is just a step of faith for everything else that's going to follow as a result? You know, the, the crazy thing about this, why is it a big deal that he sold a field? Well, what we see in the Old Testament is that the land, the land that the people had, that was the promised land, right? That was what God had given to them when the ancient Israelites went into the promised land, into Israel. And what happened is that land was passed down from generation to generation. So this land had been in his family for hundreds of years, presumably. And so, like, this wasn't just a part of land. Like, oh, hey, I bought this a few years ago. I was going to put a convenience store there, but I decided not to, so I'm going to sell it now. No, this land was vital to his identity as a person. And yet he sold it and gave it away. Why? He sold it because he had found a greater identity in Jesus Christ than what he could ever find even in the promised land that had been passed down by his ancestors. And the same thing is true for you and I. Will we find that our greater identity that we have more than our stuff, more than anything else, is in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone? I want to give you a little bit of an update. Normally, I don't give these updates as a part of the sermon, but today I am. Because we've been sharing with you for the last several months where our giving situation was at as a result of everything that our church had been through. And we had been uh, behind. We'd been expecting, been, been, been you know, needing a bare minimum of 60000 But with our children's ministry position coming on everything else, the number's more like 70000 where we really need to be at per month. Uh, and we'd been, you know, 57, 58,000 a month is where we tended to be at. And we just weren't getting to where we needed to be at. And so uh, two weeks ago, our elders shared a challenge with you. Uh, and we sent out the mailers, probably got those mailers in there. If you didn't get one, we do have more commitment cards uh, in the back on the communion table when you walk in. But we shared that with you and just, just said, hey, what we really need to do is we need to see our giving go up by 20%. And so all of our elders and myself, we said, hey, we're doing it. We're going to start by giving, increasing our giving by 20%. If we give, you know, 100 bucks a week, we're going to give 120. If we give 1,000 a month, we're giving 1,200 a month. Uh, and, and we did that, and we laid that out before you, and, and, and we weren't sure how people were going to respond, but the first indication was that we were sitting at about $53,000 uh, after uh, the, the, the 24th of May, and that was like, you know, five Sunday. Normally, the fifth Sunday is like a lousy giving Sunday. If it's a fifth, that's just the reality, but what we saw is that just in that very next week, we saw $17,000 in gifts come in that bumped us up to over $70,000 for the month of May. Isn't that great? And we recognize that it's not just because, oh, I got some extra cash laying around the house. No, no, that's sacrifice, right? We all make sacrifices in order to make this work because the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth being fully devoted to. And we know that's just the, the first indication, but I talked to our, our, our people who do the counting. I said, so what, what was the change? Was there like, oh, you know, a big gift in there? I said, no, no, it was just... The number of gifts was, was way higher than what it normally is. And so that's just this is something that we're really excited about uh, because we want to start, you know, when we get back to full business here in August and relaunch all of our ministries, we really believe we have an opportunity to reach our culture that is so desperate for God. And that requires our full devotion in every way. And this is just one aspect that you guys are growing in the right direction. We're getting it. We're growing. Praise God for that. So we see next here in verse 46. 
Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The final thing that we see here, well, next to last thing, I should say, is that they had contagious joy and sincerity. And I love this. They were joyous, but it it wasn't like a fake joy. This was something that was extremely sincere about who they were. That, 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 That their sincerity is what they were known for. We live in a culture that is not trusting of organized religion. And if we want to break down those walls... It will come through our sincerity. It will come through our sincere joy when people see that there is legitimately something different about us as a result of our devotion to Jesus Christ. And finally, oh, I want to show you here a couple pictures. We've been sharing with you about how um, as a result of our Only God Can campaign, we had several people uh, who came up with the idea, Ed was one of them, and said, hey, like, what if we painted that Only God Can on the roof? Because we have all these planes that come right over the edge of our building. And if you've ever flown into Columbus, you know that about half the time, because of the two runways, about half the time you get a really good shot of East Point. Like, you can just see East Point. And so I said, what if we painted Only God Can in really big letters on the roof? Uh, and this week, they actually finished it up, so we're excited to see how it all turns out. We didn't get a drone yet, um, uh, in order to check it out, they just finished it up yesterday. But this is Byron, Bob, and Jay. Uh, and this was so cool because I don't think these guys knew each other before they started working on the roof. Um, and yet, you know, as a result of them coming together and just saying, yeah, I want to help out in that. They got something done that I think is going to spread a lot of encouragement to people. Uh, and the cool thing about it is uh, Bob, Bob is 86 years old, and he was up there on the roof. Like, isn't that awesome? Man, I just hope I'm not underground when I'm 86 years old. And he's up there on the roof, up there serving the Lord and painting. Isn't that awesome? Uh, and, uh, and it was just great to see how people come together in order to help spread the message of God. That's just the first fruit. So here we see the final result in Acts 2.47. And I love how it ends. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Not every day they got more people to show up to church. Not every day they did things uh, that got them recognized. And while they were doing their hard work, while they were fully committed to the work of the church, at the end of the day, when, when Luke is writing this, he recognizes what they recognize. Is this wasn't just their work. There was a deeper work that God was doing in them and through them. Because at the end of the day, it's not about our devotion to God. That's not where it starts. It starts with His devotion to us. Because when He is devoted to us, He can do so much more than we ever could. There's a a funny story going around right now. Uh, There's a gal from here in Columbus, a college student by the name of Sidney Fowles. And she was flying to Tampa, uh, and she had somebody, she's a college student, so somebody bet her $20 that Southwest Airlines, who you always get two checked bags with, they, uh, they, for free, 
Somebody bet her $20 that she wouldn't try to check a pool noodle for her vacation to Tampa. And so she went, and some of you seen this maybe? She went and checked a pool noodle at the airport and started to do like a whole TikTok thing on it. Well, the thing blows up, ends up getting several million views. Well, well Southwest Airlines found, finds out about it. And so on her way back from Tampa, they meet her at the airport with a, a custom Southwest Airlines pool noodle for her that has Southwest Airlines on it. And then when they land back here in Columbus, all the ground crew, some of the people even that had checked the noodle, they had a picture of like the noodle going up the ramp along with all the baggage. They were all greeting the airplane, waving pool noodles in the air. There were hundreds of pool noodles being waved in the air. It was amazing. And so the thing just took off even more. That was just last night. So it's just going to take off more and more and more. And as people see this, because the reality is that she was just one person. But when the whole airline said, we're going to celebrate this. We're going to get behind this. They made it into a big deal. And let me, let me tell you how that works with us. Because we, I'm just one person. You're just one person. We're just one small church in the overall realm of things. We might only be able to do so much, but out of our devotion, I'm telling you that the God who created the heavens and the earth and who rose His Son, Jesus Christ, on the third day is doing immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine or conceive in us and through us. Because your devotion to God... Our devotion to God, as great as an extreme as it might seem, is nothing compared to His devotion to you. And I promise you, church, that when we are fully devoted to Him, we will see His devotion to us in a new light. We will see His devotion to us bearing much fruit in us. God is fully devoted to His bride. May we march forward in faith. And may we be devoted to Christ through the Word of God and through prayer and through breaking of bread and through the fellowship because we know that He is even more devoted to us. Father, we celebrate Your work through the church. Lord, we recognize that we're, we're a bunch of broken sinners on our own, but because of Jesus Christ, we've been made Your sons and daughters. Because of your love, because of your extreme devotion to us, we now have a hope that can overcome the sin in our lives, our sinful beings, but we can also recognize it helps us to overcome the grave. And Lord, this is not something that we want to keep to ourselves, but just like the early church, Lord, we want to share it with everyone. Lord, give us the power through your Holy Spirit to be bold witnesses for you. Lord, may we grow in the level of devotion that we have to you. May we not do so out of guilt, but may we do so because we know that we are loved unconditionally by you, that you are fully devoted to us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.